What's up, everybody? We have 10 minutes here with Mr. Paul Nice. That's so nice. Uh, back. <laughs> yep. We're going to be talking about rangefinders here, which Paul knows a thing or two about. We were just discussing the fact prior to starting here uh, that he's got his Fury ABs that he's been in a little bit of pre-testing action with. They've been all over the Western United States. They look <laughs> apparently like absolute hell right now. But not only have you used the binocular style of rangefinders, you have also extensive experience with monocular style right, rangefinders. Right. And so we want to go into a little bit of a discussion here to figure out what is the process of determining which you would go with if you know you need a rangefinder, but you're not sure whether to go monocular style or binocular style. Where would you kick off with that, Paul? What are the main differences that people should know about besides maybe the obvious uh, or what do what does the obvious difference provide you? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I've I've found myself going back and forth between that many many times, and I know I've I've had many people ask me that over the years too. It is one of those things. I don't think there's a black and white answer to it. I think you can kind of look at the the two strengths, and I think maybe you know we'll point out a few things here to guys, and then they can sort of maybe make that decision a little bit easier. You know, I know for many years. The, the laser range finding bino, as you guys know, was like the most requested item we had. I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was like off the charts for year after year after year. That, that was what guys wanted. And of course, uh, you know, the, the reason guys want it is it's convenient. It's, it's, it's like you're getting two objects in one. You don't have to keep track of two different things. You know, it's, it's easy. It's simple. You can, you can range just with the bino that you're using. The disadvantage to them is that so far, anyway, the, the technology, you can't quite get as good an optical performance. In other words, your glassing and looking performance in the bino in a laser bino that you can in a high-end non-laser bino. Okay. So, right. in other words, the, the trade-off you're going to give is in the laser bino, you are, you know, if you, especially if you're hunting something that demands really good glassing performance, sheep, coos deer, you know, mule deer, where it's, they can be very tough to see. You're going to give up an edge in a laser bino a little bit, not mm-hmm. much, but it's there. And the little, if you go with a little handheld, the advantage there is you can still use a premium bino. You can right. you can you can spend the money. You can buy a bino that's going to give you a little better performance than the laser bino. The trade-off is 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 that one that's always been there. It's you've still got to buy two different pieces of equipment. It's you know you're going to keep track of two different things. So you know you've got that. I will say that the laser bino in ranging performance is going to outperform the little handhelds. Right. So now you've got an advantage performance-wise that goes to the laser bino. Sure. I've done a lot of hunting where I, you know, I tend to, you know, I, I'm after things that are hard to see. Sheep, coos deer, mule deer. And I don't, I hate to give up that, that glassing edge that you do. And, you know, I always looked at it as such that, you're using the bino a lot more than you're using the laser. You're spending a lot more time looking through that bino than you are actually ranging something. So my, you know, I always felt like I would lean towards the little handhelds along with a premium bino for glassing. Mm-hmm. A lot of other guys, you know, they, they feel the convenience outweighs that, that instead of having to buy two pieces, they buy one, they're willing to give up a little bit of that optical edge. And just go with something that's quick, easy. It's going to give them fantastic ranging ability. 
and they might not need it. You know, a lot of times I've hunted, spent a lot of time hunting elk. I would say for the most part, elk hunting, for example, you, you can probably give up a little bit of that optical edge. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, the Furies are really good, too. I don't mean to run those down. I mean, they, right. they do really well for their price point. They're, they are no slouch in those wise. In those scenarios is where you were just using them a lot, right? Yeah. Alaska, New Mexico, yeah. Nebraska. Yep. Uh, yeah, and of course here, you know, we have the brand new Fury with AB. So it has the ballistic ability to give you holdovers and drops and wind corrections and all that. And, you know, and I have to say the thing is fantastic. You know, I, you'd have a hard time prying that out of my hands now, having spent a, you know, a lot of time using and testing it. And it's almost to the point where it sways me back a little bit the other way, having that really nice ballistic ability Mm. in there is really slick. And, you know, and, and sometimes I find myself saying, well, you know, I'm probably willing to give up just a little bit of that optical edge to mm-hmm. have that really nice ballistic yep. ability. So it's tough. You know, it, it, I go back and forth on it. Like I said, I don't think there's a black and white answer to it. I think if you look at specific applications, I would suspect, and I find myself in that case, most archers probably would prefer the small handhelds. Mm-hmm. I think they're just, you know, especially here in the Midwest where you're running out of trees, you're not looking great distances. I think the small size and, and probably a little bit easier to use out of a tree stand would, would lead me a little bit more towards a little handheld. A little bit easier one-handed operation. I feel like you can be just a little bit more subtle. You're just going up to the one eye, you know. But mm-hmm. that, And that was right. going to be my one question for you, Paul, is like, yeah. you know, between whether you have the ballistics Fury, you know, the Fury AB or even the Fury HD right. 5000, you know, a if you're predominantly a bow hunter or a rifle hunter, are you going to gravitate more towards towards one or the other? But. You could, you could. I, you know, I'd have to guess bow hunters in general were. If you were a very dedicated bow hunter, and that's how you spend a big chunk of your time, I would think most guys might lean towards the smaller handhelds versus the bino. Yeah, you said something earlier that triggered something in my mind. Well, like you mentioned, so most monocular styles are like a six or seven power. And then of course you're at a 10 power in the case of our Fury HD here. So that is something that you, you want to be cognizant of. You're going to be stuck at one power, so to speak. Now here's one, you've been in far more hunting situations, hunting these game that are difficult to spot than I have certainly. But I do know what you mean when you're talking about hunting coos deer, for example. And one thing I recall from hunting coos was you're glassing, 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 glassing. You finally see one. And the moment you see it, you don't want to stop seeing it because you, you're you're so invested in finding that one that you're like, if I look away, it'll disappear. Which which you know they do easily. Yeah, do. yeah. they do. And so yeah. I I kept imagining myself looking through uh, and looking through binos, and if I had the rangefinder right there, it could be like, oh, I found one. Then you can just range yeah. it. You don't yeah. have to kind of go away from it, grab another optic, come back, and either which, hope which it's in dangerous. the same spot. Yeah. Or hope yeah. that you can find the same right. spot. Yeah, exactly. um, so I could see that being another yeah. thing. I'll, I'll throw this out there, Jim, because, and, and I guess this is going to apply predominantly to rifle hunting, right? And, I, and I'd say whether you have the, the Fury AB, which I'm falling madly in love with as of late yeah. as well, Paul. <laughs> but you're talking about a coos deer hunt or a mule deer hunt. And so that's a situation where no, no, people are probably going to say, Mark, you're trying to sell me. A bunch more optics, and I am. Uh, no, <laughs> correct. But, <laughs> correct, you got me. Uh, but you know that to me on those hunts, that fury, like you said, and like I, f- I feel like I'm also downplaying the optical quality because it actually really is good optical quality, good. like really yeah. damn good. Yeah. But also, are they a, a Razor UHD? No, they're not. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a situation where I'll run 
the Furies or the Fury ABs as my quick look chest bino and my rangefinder for rifle hunting. And I've got like a 12 or an 18 UHD that I've got right. in the top of my pack. That's my tripod bino. So like where you're talking there, Jim, it's like, boom, got one, lock it in on the tripod. You can come back and reference it. Boom. Get your range, get your ballistic solution. Right. Right. You're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I was going to say. And we sold more optics, Jim. Exactly. I was going to say when Paul was mentioning the fact that, you know, if you've got your binos and your rangefinder in one, you're kind of set. And I was thinking, you know, well, yeah, not many people carry two sets of binos out in the field, which actually, usually, I can say in the bulk majority of cases, most people aren't. But there are cases where people are. Mm-hmm. And it's for a similar reason to what you just brought up. One is the dedicated tripod high powered bino, and the other is the quick look one. Right, mm-hmm. right. But yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think I think that's a pretty valid concept that you laid out there. I mean, I can definitely see it. And I will say anybody that spends time with, say, the Fury and the handhelds, one of the things you quickly get spoiled on is how well those Furies range, whether it's a, an AB one or a non-AB one. It doesn't really matter. The ranging is the same. But you really do get spoiled. I mean, those things are so quick and fast, and their ability to hit stuff that in even the best handhelds, like the little Razor 4000 there, just won't quite pull off. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the ability to really get out there and give you a fast feedback. And after you spend some time using a Fury, it's kind of hard to, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like even if you buy a really nice little handheld, you're stepping down just a little bit on the ranging performance, too. Mm-hmm. So, well, of then course, you got, oh. oh, I was just going to say, of course. Fury five thousand or AB somewhere in the realm of eleven hundred to fifteen hundred bucks, depending on whether you get the ballistics model or not. Whereas premium, premium quality handheld monocular style rangefinder Razor four thousand, right around I think I want to say five hundred bucks. Right. Like, yeah, so right. significant yeah. difference right. there. Yeah. 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 What were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say you know, and again, I'm kind of going back to those rifle hunting scenarios. Maybe you know, maybe a person has gone through the process of getting their ballistic data input it in the unit, or maybe they just have it. They're extending their effective range, whatever, what have you. But having that 10 power and that wider field of view for subject acquisition, you know, when you're trying to find that coos deer at 700 yards, man, having a binocular and a rangefinder to do that, it's pretty clutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is true. I mean, it's it, the only downfall to that, of course, is weight. You know, if you're, if you're carrying mm-hmm. like a regular glassing bino and then a fury to, to use as your, as your primarily ranging optic, you know, you're getting up there toting a lot of, a lot of weight around with you, but Something sure. that kind of comes with the territory, in, in at least in that coos deer hunting. I mean, guys are running spotters, big binos, big tripods. I mean, there's a lot of glass you, you out there. You feel like you're pretty loaded down sometimes. Yep. You know, but man, man, and it's like I always, you know, it's like again, Mark, yeah, you're trying to sell up, you work for an optics something. I we do. I mean, that, is, but you can't overstate how no. how important it is. And then you're talking about like I always bring up like snares. Like let's say you and I are hunting together and you're going to shoot, and I can real-time, now I can glass and watch. I can spot for hits, misses, impacts. Was it a good hit? Yeah. Uh, did we make a bad wind call? Uh, provide uh, right. additional ranges if an animal yeah. moves real-time. Oh, that and that happens. Well, that's, you know, and, then, and then you get into what the AB Fury will do. I mean, now you've got the ability to, to, to call out shot corrections, you know, give give guy a dial-up, give him a wind hold. I mean, that's... To the yard. It's not like Um, to the every twenty five yards or however your dope sheet is. I mean it is it is a to the yard correction. It's a to the yard with all your atmospherics, right? So it's not like, you know, like my dope chart on my rifle stock right now, I have it set at fifty degrees. Well, I guarantee I almost know I'm I'm nearly positive I was hunting mule deer in Colorado and I shot low, just low on a buck. 
but I think we were a little bit lower than what I had my chart set for, and it was like probably 50 degrees colder, right. or not 50, like 40 degrees colder. It was like 10 degrees that day, and I shot just under them. Right. Like, and I think just right. those that that tolerance stacking is why I missed. It could, yeah, and you can factor in. I mean, the atmospheric pressure might have been a little bit higher that day than what you had mm-hmm. entered it on your thing, so yeah. Or yeah. I just missed. I will Definitely. not discount that either. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, right. Uh, so, okay, cool. Well, that I actually think that's a pretty good rundown on the differences between the monocular style and the binocular style rangefinders. Of course, I think... There's a lot of excitement certainly around the Fury and especially with the ABs and and as you guys mentioned, you know, we've kind of started falling in love with them more and more as we use them. Uh, there's also certainly great for shooting. We talked a lot about hunting here. Oh, they're right. great for yeah. shooting as well. But really, I mean, the binocular style definitely still has its place for the reasons that I think Paul, uh, you and Mark also mentioned just being so portable and, you know, depending on really what you need, the, the application at hand really does dictate what you end up using. But I still use I still use both. We're spoiled because I know we've got optics can, at our can, disposal. We can at all use time. it all. We can right. we can literally do the old yeah. Call of Duty where you just switch guns in and out and optics <laughs> in and out. And we can kind of do that here. Most people are going to be getting one. So again, as with most things, whenever we do a this versus that, and it depends, you got to look at what you're going to be doing at least eighty percent of the time, if not ninety to ninety five percent of the time, and understand yeah. there may be trade offs. That's going to that's going to make a difference, right? Pick pick your main focus for yeah. sure. Cool. Well, hopefully this helped everybody out there. If there's any other questions that we missed that you'd love us to address, let us know in the comments on YouTube or on Instagram when we post this one up. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you on the next one. Next time. Bye. Bye.